Hey everyone, welcome to Indie Film Grit, a podcast about indie films and indie filmmakers. I am your host, Timothy Patrick, but you, you can call me Tim. In this episode, I talk with indie filmmaker Adam Kellerman. He's the writer, producer, and director of the new feature film called Easy Living, which not only premiered at South by Southwest, but it also had a limited theatrical release in New York. Let's get into it. And here we are with Adam Kellerman. Adam, thanks for being on the podcast. How are you, man? Hi, thanks so much, Tim, for having me. I'm, I'm great. It's great to be on here. I'm excited to talk to you about your, your new film, um, Easy Living. It premiered at South by Southwest. Do you want to talk about that a little? Yeah, no. Um, I, I have a little bit of a relationship with South by Southwest. Um, my first short film called Going Back premiered there in, uh, I believe it was 2010. And um, when it became time for my feature, I knew that they... Um, that I thought it might be a good fit for the festival. So I was very fortunate they um, ended up accepting the film. And um, we premiered there um, in March 2017, um, this March. And it was I think it was like a really good audience because I think the film has a very kind of peculiar energy and it kind of zigzags in um, weird ways. And I feel like the, um, the audience in Austin really got it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's a great festival. I've never actually made it out there. But uh, so you've been there a few times. Yeah, I've been there twice. Uh, yeah, once with my short in 2010 and then um, uh, 2017 this year. Yeah, that's great. Well, I know some people go even when they don't have a film to go. But yeah, no, it's it, it would be great to go. It's just it's just kind of expensive to go there because um, flying into Austin, that it's actually kind of expensive to fly into Austin, and then also uh, you know finding a place to live. I don't have that many friends in Austin to crash at places, so. Mm-hmm. Um, it would definitely, um, you know, have to be for an event or for work, you know. Nice. So yeah. Easy Living, it's uh, your first uh, feature length? Yeah, my first feature length film. Um, it's 80 minutes long. Nice. Um, I, yeah. Being your first feature film, um, obviously the process is longer than short films. But uh, did anything surprise you? Um, something that's different uh, as opposed to directing uh, short films as with a feature? Yeah. um, You know, it's, it's kind of hard because I felt like, yes, with the, with the feature, you have a lot more crew at your disposal, Mm -hmm. but um, on, because my indie film, even though we had some like decent uh, named actors in the film, well-known people, um, I, it's still, uh, felt like an indie film. I'm sorry, a small, like a short film in a way, mm. um, because I was wearing so many hats still, you know? Right. Um, and I, you know, I had to wear at least five or six hats. Sometimes I had to drive the, um, the crew truck back to the um, parking lot, you know, mm. when we didn't have a PA to do it. And, you know, I'm, I'm one of those people that will get it done. You know, I'll do what I'll, whatever I have to do. Right. I've worked in production for a long time. And so I know, kind of the ins and outs of things. And, and if I, we didn't have enough money to hire an extra PA or 
you know, I even first AD'd my own movie. So, um, hmm. you know, it's, it's, it's not unheard of, but it's, you know, I think learning from that next time I will hire a first AD. Um, yeah. Well, if you got the budget, money. right? Yeah, exactly. If I, uh, you know, I, we, we had money for it in some ways, but I, I decided that the money could be better spent in other ways. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I work in production a lot, so I, I know how to AD. So, but mm-hmm. it, um, you know, I think, I think ultimately it, it, it did take my focus away a little bit creatively, which I would have loved to have been like just solely focused on the movie, you know? Yeah. Now, what made you want to make a feature? Was it the story you were telling was just too long to be a short or did you decide after two short films, you're ready to make a feature? Yeah, I think, you know, I, I made two short films that did decently. Um, and I, I realized that it's, um, you know, I, I wanted to kind of get my career going because I it's it's rare these days that a short will lead you to, um, you know, ho- a lot of Hollywood attention in the sense of like being signed by an agent, um, getting out there in the world. Um, I think shorts that are CGI driven or horror film driven are more likely to get that kind of attention mm. um, because they can see like, Oh, you can do big budget stuff or, you know, you can handle CGI mm-hmm. or sci-fi. Um, but I think when you're doing kind of small, like kind of experimental, like not experimental, but like playing with conventions, which I feel like my two shorts kind of do in kind of a, you know, quiet observant ways. Um, you know, you know, th- those, you know, I, I was realizing quickly um, that I, my next step, if I wanted to get further along, is to make a feature. Um, and it didn't, in my mind, like, you know, I think some people kind of get hung up on like, oh, I need to make a very perfect feature film that will be my calling card and that will represent me fully for mm-hmm. the kind of work I want to do. And I think at the end of the day, you just have to go out and make something. And um, whether that gets a lot of attention or not, at least that will lead you to another thing, you know. That night, when your when your film plays at the festival, can you tell me about that experience a little? Yeah, it was um, it was funny because I, you know, like I said, I'd I'd been to South by Southwest before, and I kind of knew a little bit what to expect. But um, you know, when I I recall driving up in my um ta- taxi to the theater, and um, kind of seeing the venue, it was at an Alamo Draft House mm. where the film premiered, um, and you know, I, I, I wasn't fully processing it yet. You know, I was like, oh, I'm just like going to the Alamo Draft House and everything's going to be fine. But I think once I got there and then once I saw, you know, a line full of people waiting to come in and, you know, you know, we were about to take some pictures in front of the South by Southwest sign. It was like it kind of like hit me like a ton of bricks, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, but, you know, it was the audience, you know it was nice, you know, seeing it with, with an audience, a massive audience for the first time, you know, at least 200 people were there. Um, and just hearing where people were laughing. It's, it's almost like, you know, it's funny with indie movies is that we aren't able to like market and test our movies Mm -hmm. as widely as these big films do. So it's kind of like, uh, it's interesting to be able to share it with a big audience for the first time because you're like, oh, that's where the people are laughing or well, that's where people are like really quiet and engaged and, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and now, so that, that's did, interesting. Yeah. Now, did that lead you to make changes before you released it on uh, VOD? Little tweaks no. here and there? No. I, I 
no, because I, I realized the kind of tweaks I would have made would have cost me a lot more money. So oh, right. in the sense of like, I'd love to be able to reshoot a day or reach, you know, do create a whole other scene, but we just didn't have the, the money for that, you know? Sure. Um, um, so it's kind of like making the most, I, I was very proud of what we showed. I feel like I, cause I feel like the film is a very peculiar film that people will get if they get it. And if they don't, they won't, you know? So I, so at the end of the day, I can't persuade anyone, you know, it's, you never can persuade anyone to like anything, you know? Mm -hmm. And I feel like with this film, especially like it's wave, if you're on the wavelength, if you, you're on the bus, you'll write it all the way to the end. If you're not, you're not, you know? So I, I, I figured, you know, I, I'm very happy with how it's been responded to, you know, and with, um, the film that I ultimately made. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, our, our film, essentially, we got a directive VOD offer from Gravitas Ventures and a few other, um, like we got about four or five offers. But I, I decided, you know, I, I decided to go to Gravit with Gravitas because of the familiarity with the VOD world. And um, also, they gave us enough money that we could um, put um, a week run in New York. So we, we did a New York run and that got, got us, you know, a trade review finally. Our, a, a good review in Hollywood Reporter. And it got us about got us finally a Rotten Tomato score because we got enough um, got about five reviews. We it was very hard in South by to get press because South by is so expensive to go to go out there. Mm -hmm. So not not enough um, press go to South by. So you're you're fighting for press basically at South by Southwest, and most of their attention are on the bigger films like the, the new Edgar Wright film, Baby Driver, you know, that was like the hot ticket. And that's where most of the press, you know, went to that film. Um, well, that's and, exciting. I mean, yeah. you, not only did you world premiere at South by Southwest, but you made enough money to have it run in the theaters in New York. That's, that's great. Yeah, no, it was great. Um, we, we got this uh, theater that has an amazing deal called Cinema Village and they give you a hundred percent of the box office back. So we'll get, you know, um, a, a nice percentage of what we spent back at least, which is good. So when you were working on the script for all those years, did you ever think about um, trying to sell it? Or was it always your intention to make that film yourself? Yeah, it, it was always my intention um, to make it myself because I, I knew it was, um, you know, conceptually it was a bit odd um, because because all those these moments in the film with the makeup selling are completely improvised. And I knew that this wouldn't like be an easy sell to like get a lot of money for, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and then I would tie those moments into this narrative script. Um, That's exciting. So, now, that that uh, puts a lot of pressure on your casting to, to find a lead uh, that is comfortable improvising. I know. It, uh, it's funny because I, I, I did not know um, the lead Caroline Duvernay could do, could improvise. Um, everything I've seen her in has been heavily scripted. And so um, I just knew that she was a phenomenal actor. I was a huge fan of hers from these, from the television show Wonder Falls, which is from the early 2000s. And then she's also um, the female lead in the television show Hannibal. Um, and she, um, she blew me away. The first, we shot the two improvised makeup selling days first. And she one the first moment I saw her um, in front of the camera, I, my like jaw dropped because I I just was just elated on like the direction she was taking the character. Mm -hmm. 
And how much of the success of the film uh, do you attribute to her? I, I um, probably at least like 90%. Oh, really? <laughs> you yeah. Know? I, I, you know, I think the film would not um, work at all without, you know, she, she, she holds the film on her shoulders because the film kind of goes in so many kind of weird, crazy places. Um, I, I don't think a, an actor, you know, there are some actors that are like her, but I, I, I feel like she can balance, she has such a wide range and she can balance these kind of absurd moments with these kind of really nuanced, quiet, vulnerable moments too. Um, and she's, she can be really funny and she can be really dramatic too. And I think, uh, she, I think she's the only one, um, that I, I feel strongly could have made this film happen because she just is so phenomenal in what she does. What about the film score? Can you, can you walk me through the process of figuring out the music? Yeah. Um, this was the, you know, I'd worked with a composer before on my, on one of my shorts, but it was very simple. Like we only had one piece of score. Um, and uh, with Easy Living, um, I realized in the editing process, people, like when we showed it to uh, friends, um, they were hungry for more score. So working with um, composers I met through friends, um, they're actually based in Los Angeles. Um, we were able to develop the, the world of Easy Living and the tones and the characters and the energies of Easy Living through the music. And the music it really propels the film, you know, and really kind of helps solidify the the tones because there's no, there's a few different tonal shifts in the movie, and I feel like the music is integral to like allowing those shifts to happen seamlessly or, or at least organically. Mm -hmm. you know? Oh yeah, for sure. It was a there there it was two uh, two gentlemen their team called Juke and J U K E. And they were a um, really cool team to work with and very talented. And, and what, um, what was great with them is that they did several sound-alikes for the movie, which a sound-alike is um, when you have a, when you're using a song as temp in the, in the score when you're editing um, and you are like stuck to that song, but you can't hold, the, you, can't, um, you can't afford the rights um, to, to obtain the song. So they create a song that's similar in tone and energy to that song. Mm -hmm. um, and they, um, because the film is sort of a barfly movie um, in some ways, um, we had to come up with at least four to five songs to fill up the time, the different times of the bar, you know? Mm. Um, and they were really great. Um, I, I kind of want to be able to release that soundtrack someday because I love the six songs they created for the, you know, for the movie. Yeah. I'm surprised you don't uh, have that out as a part of your deal. Yeah. That'd be great. Right. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how, to, how the logistics going on, because certainly I can't afford to do it myself. So, mm -hmm. um, But it'd be nice somehow to like um, put them out there. And according to IMDb, it's listed as a comedy drama thriller. Is that pretty much <laughs> yeah. how you see it? Yeah, I mean, it, you know, I, I kind of see it as a dramedy, um, but that's such a funny thing to say. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. you know, I guess I would you know, because I feel like drama is more of a generic umbrella term for all movies in a way. Mm -hmm. So I, I guess I would label it as a drama with comedic elements and some kind of psychological and thrilling thriller moments, you know? Yeah. Uh, um, because it's, it's kind of a psychological character study in a lot of ways. Um, and I think that's the best like apt description of the movie. 
Um, but there are a lot of absurd um, and kind of camp moments in the film. Yeah, I mean, uh, there is, just from what I saw, even the colors uh, lend itself to that. There's a, uh, I don't want to say brightness, but there is, there's definitely color. Uh, was that something you were conscious about when filming? Yeah, no, I mean, at first we kind of filmed with these like more muted colors because we wanted to kind of create a more, um, we kind of wanted to make our own world in a little bit of ways, mm -hmm. but also somewhat of a period piece. Like we don't really tell anybody when the film takes place, but it's kind of looks like it could be take place in the mid nineties even. You know? Yeah. I did see a flip phone and it threw me. Yeah. <laughs> I was a little confused. <laughs> yeah. And but so, now it makes sense. Yeah. So it's, it's not necessarily, people say it could be now people say it could be in the seventies. Obviously it can't be in the seventies cause there's flip phones, mm -hmm. but, uh, we, um, and there's a microwave, you know, like a fancy microwave at mm -hmm. some point. But, uh, um, you know, we tried to make our own world as best as we could, you know. Um, and because, you know, because makeup selling door-to-door -door isn't really that much of a thing as much now. I mean, there are, like, people have Tupperware parties. People do have makeup selling parties. But um, I think door-to-door -door selling kind of stopped in, like, the late 90s, you know, because, because of the advent of the Internet. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's why we kind of tried to kind of create as as much of a 90s feel as, as we could. Very cool. The film, let me just say, like, um, you know, I, I really want to, like, what I want to say about the film is that it, it's a film about a kind of a lost soul. And she's kind of finding her place in the world. There's um, She watches old movies at night. She kind of almost imagines herself into in a movie. Um, I think, you know, the ending is a bit crazy, so watch out for that. Um, but, I, I, you know, I, some people who really love this character find her just so, like, kind of captivating in her kind of um, constant um, meandering, you know, just, like, saying one thing and doing something else or kind of contradicting herself left and right and zigzagging through this world. And I think that's the character I ultimately wanted to create was this woman who was kind of teetering in life and, but yet wanted to kind of find home, you know, in a way or find her place. Um, and I, I just want to like allow people to kind of be enveloped in the movie, you know, and let, allow the character to take over because I think you won't get much out of it if you're just questioning her motives left and right, because I think that is the character, you know, I just want to tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> No, it um, sounds like is, a real character study. She is a she is a mercurial being, so she you can't pin this one down, no matter how you try. Mm -hmm. So, five years to write this one. Is it going to be five years till you make another, or what? What's your plan for for making films in the future? Well, I, yeah, I will never take five years again to make a project. <laughs> uh, right now I'm writing two TV uh, television show pilots because, you know, making an independent film takes so much out of you that, um, you know, making another, unless someone handed me like $10 million to make like a high budget indie movie, I think I, ultimately I, I'm in it for the long game and I want to have a career and I want to be able to like uh, sustain my life through my work, you know? Mm -hmm. um, well, you've worked and, so much in production that uh, you're obviously comfortable within the machine. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I know what every cog, what every role in the machine is, what in the production is. 
And so now I'm curious uh, more on the creative side, you know, working with other writers or working with other producers. I'm, I would love to do that. And I'm hoping, you know, one of these um, things that I'm writing now, or at least uh, be a perk, the interest, uh, peak the interest of um, um, the industry once I put them out there in the world, hopefully in the next few months uh, when they're finished. Nice. Well, best of luck with that. Thanks. Yeah, I appreciate it. Um, your films have been to South by twice. Um, there are cats out there that haven't even gotten one in yet. Uh, since you do have a little bit of a connection there and, and you see what, what happens, how it works, can you give any advice to someone trying to get into a festival like that? One, obviously you have to make something. Um, but two, I would just put yourself out there. I would go to any sort of filmmaker meetup group, mixer, mingle. If you're not connected to a film community, um, I would put yourself out there. It's all about word of mouth. It's all about like a filmmaker being like, oh, my friend's, you know, recommending a film to a programmer. You know, everyone's kind of interconnected. It's like a massive web. Mm -hmm. So um, you have to get yourself out there. You have to connect with people. It's like, um, you know, programmers are approachable. You can talk to them about your movie. They want to know, they want to see what the next thing is, you know? Um, obviously there's a, you know, it's, you know, we're at a place in time where there's so much content that the odds are against you. It's just the reality of it. But, um, if you, you have to be, um, proactive, it's almost like you have to kind of like eat, live, dream it. Mm -hmm. You have to make a goal for yourself and sort of scheme a way to, to meet that goal. It's, um, you know, it's not necessarily being ruthless. Um, it's about like forming relationships and connections with people that you'll want to work with that will help you out ultimately, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, some would call it the law of attraction, you know, some would call it physics. Um, but, uh, you gotta think about it. You gotta, it's gotta be on your mind or it'll never happen. Yeah. And also, um, it has to do with the work. Um, I think you can go out and make a short. It could either be good, bad, or whatever, different, um, or could disappear or whatever, but just make something that only you can make. You want to be able to, um, stand out, you know, you want to have a unique statement. Um, and the only way you're going to stand out is by kind of taking a risk, being bold, take whatever crazy idea that you think you can pull off and just do it. Just use whatever resources you have at your disposal to make a movie, be it locations, actors, wardrobe, whatever crazy, you, your friend has a gas station, you, your, your mom has a connection to a farm, you know, you know, integrate those elements into your movie, you know, mm -hmm. every force in the world is against you making a movie, but you have to really kind of stretch your whole being to make it. And it is possible. You proved that with easy living. Yeah. All right, Adam. Well, thanks. This was a great podcast. I appreciate you coming on and sharing all your knowledge about uh, film production. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. Well, that's that. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Indie Film Grit podcast. Feel free to check out the show notes at our website, IndieFilmGrit.com. Follow us on Twitter, at Indie Film Grit. And don't forget, subscribe to us on iTunes. Well, I should really wrap this up, but 
Before I go, let me ask you something. Do you have the courage, the passion, and the perseverance to make indie films? Do you have enough indie film grit?